Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to begin today in Isaiah 55. We will look at verse 9, and I'm going to ask if we can look at it in the Amplified Bible on the screen. Isaiah 55, it's a familiar text, and I'm not going to use the entire text that I would normally use in teaching. I want to just emphasize here in verse 9, God says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways And my thoughts than your thoughts. He says, my ways are higher. The Amplified says, as uh, the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm not sure why I picked the Amplified. It says pretty much the same thing. God's ways and God's thoughts have been stored in his word for us. God's ways are ways that are steadfast. They're already established. We won't falter if we're walking in his ways. We won't be in danger if we're walking in his ways. His ways come with protection. His ways come with a a supernatural stability already built into them. So we want his ways. We want to seek his ways. We want to apply his ways. We want to choose the ways of God. When, um, when we come to the Lord, when we enter into relationship with him through receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior, we enter into a, a learning Curve. We enter into a time that we've got to set aside the things and the ways that we knew from before, and we've got to become accustomed with God's ways. I look across and I see many of you that were raised in church, that have spent years and years in church serving God and learning His ways. And, and one thing that I have discovered in the time that I've been walking with the Lord is that it... it can get to a point that I forget how wayward I was, how, how twisted my ways used to be. I recently um, went back. I'm, I had to do some re-edits to my testimony because we are republishing it with Harrison House, and it's going to be coming out in the fall. And um, we gave it a new title, and I added to the book, Teaching, that of things, fundamental things that God used to help me stay on, on his ways, in his paths. And as I was going through editing that book and, and just rehearsing uh, those, reliving some of those moments, I realized how far I'd come. I didn't notice how 
much different, I thought, until I looked back to see how I thought, how I used to think. <laughs> and, you know, when we are walking in the ways of God, we never want them to become old hat to us. We want to have respect for his ways. And even though we may be at a level of walking in the word of God, doesn't mean we can't even come up to a higher proficiency in that way, a higher accuracy in that way. And so let's look at Isaiah 35, Isaiah 35 and verse 8. Isaiah 35, 8, and a highway shall be there. Is that what God says his ways were? He said, my ways are higher, a higher than your way. So now we see that there's a highway, a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereupon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. So we just found out who's walking on this road. This is our road. This is our highway. This is, this is the way we travel. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I want to look at this way where the redeemed walk, this way called the way of holiness. And I want us to find out, first of all, that not only is this our path, but it says this is where joy and gladness operate in the holy way, the way of holiness. We walk here, there's no ravenous beast able to get to us, no devourer able to get to us. Why? Because we're walking in God's way, on God's highway, this way of holiness. There's a protection, there's a preservation, there is a supply of joy, which is our strength. There's a peace, which is a restoration power that brings our life to wholeness and to completeness. And so in this place we need to be proficient we want to be skilled in the way of holiness i remember hearing kenneth e hagan make a statement that always just kind of stayed with me he said he he and i've heard him make it a few different times i have a flash drive of of a lot of his teachings from the early uh, uh conferences that he was doing and that goes all the way up until some of his last services. And when I'm on the road for six and a half hours, I'm letting Brother Hagen teach me. And one of the things that I've heard him remark a, a number of times, he said, during the 1950s, the overall condition of the church in America was different. He said the people in church rarely had terminal diseases. I thought that was interesting. He said, overall in the church, talking about in the 1950s, overall in the church, the people in church rarely had terminal diseases. He said he believed it was because they lived cleaner lives. They were skilled in this way of holiness. This way of holiness is a way where there's spiritual strength to resist sickness. 
This way of holiness is, is a place where the peace of God is flowing to protect us and to restore us. So I could see how that could be accurate. But then there was also uh, uh, something else that uh, he said. He said he attributed the moving of the Spirit in signs and wonders during the days of the healing revival. He said he attributed it also to the fact that people were living cleaner during that time. God was able to move in that miraculous because they were living cleaner lives. When um, I first began sitting under Pastor Caldwell, I would hear him tell a story from the pulpit. And then we began to travel with Pastor Caldwell and Sister Jeannie. And there would be times that we were privileged to be able to have a meal with him before, uh, you know, while we were traveling or whatever, maybe in the airport while we were waiting on a plane. And in those times of conversation, it seemed that he always went back to tell a certain story. We would just be asking questions, you know, learning different, different things, wisdoms that he could teach us. And this same story kept coming up. And, I, and he would say, he would say, he would start the story and he would stop and say, have you heard this before? And we would say, tell us again. And, and, and interested. And every time I would take note about it. I would, I would have it in my, my journal. I would note about it. And about the 12th or 14th or 17th time I had heard this story, I had heard it numerous times, and I was determined every time I hear it, I'm going to pay attention because the Holy Spirit kept bringing this story back. What is the Holy Spirit emphasizing with this story through my pastor? And and so many of you may have heard the story because I look around and a lot, I see a lot of people who have said under Pastor Caldwell, he would talk about the conversation that took place in the meeting that when they were establishing that ministerial organization. Oral Roberts was, was establishing this ministerial organization and had invited various people who were leaders in the body of Christ to come. And they were all in a circle talking about this ministerial organization that Oral Roberts was founding. And um, Lester Summerall said, well, as long as you don't let happen what happened in the days of the Voice of Healing revival. And then he turned to uh, a woman there whose husband had been over the Voice of Healing magazine. They started Christ for the Nations. He said, tell, tell, her, tell us uh, what happened. And she said, well, in the Voice of Healing, you know, her husband had been the one who, who kind of had a, a, um, a ministerial organization for all of the people who were involved in that Voice of Healing. And when they would come together, they would pray, and they would spend a lot of time in prayer in these meetings. But then there was a television put in the break room, and they would pray for a little while, and then the people would go and watch the wrestling matches on Saturday morning when the wrestling matches came on. And so every time pastor would tell that story, I would be asking the Lord, Lord, what, 
are we, what, what are you speaking uh, through this story? What is the emphasis? Because pastor would just tell the story and leave you with it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He would tell the story and just leave you with it. You know, that, that's what happened. They, and, and then one day, the Lord spoke to my husband after a time that pastor had told that story. And the Lord said, the wrestling matches were carnality. Carnality. The wrestling matches eventually took the place of importance in their time of gathering. Not prayer, not seeking God, not emphasizing the spiritual flow. There was something, it wasn't sinful. It was Saturday morning wrestling. It wasn't sinful, but it wasn't spiritual either. And so the decline in the miraculous occurred at the same time that the wrestling matches took a, more of a place of importance than spiritual preparation. Carnality will desensitize the spirit of man from hearing and responding to the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, please mark that. Carnality will desensitize the spirit of man from hearing and responding to the Holy Spirit. Carnality dulls the hearing. It dulls the hearing. While holiness causes us to be sensitive and opens the flow for the Holy Spirit. I will. Carnality will desensitize the spirit of man from hearing and responding to the Holy Spirit. Carnality dulls the hearing while holiness causes us to be sensitive and opens the flow for the Spirit of God. Carnality dulls the hearing. It dulls the spiritual hearing. How many times did Jesus say, if you have ears to hear, for those who have ears to hear, he that has ears to hear. Well, we all have the ears, the, the, the outer Contain the outer receptacles on the side of our heads. We all have the ears, but he's saying, he that has spiritual ears tuned in to hear, he that has a sensitivity of hearing in their heart, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If we have dulled our hearing with carnality and the Holy Spirit is having to lift his voice and repeat himself and repeat himself and repeat himself. What? What? What'd you say? What? What was that, Lord? And he's having, we want to be sensitive. We want to be, be so receptive to what the Holy Spirit is is leading and speaking and directing us to do. When, when I was training in, in training horses, there are horses that you can train. You can do this with any horse if you start and you train them correctly. You can train that horse so that they are always alert to whatever signal you give them. 
For instance, you can train that horse so that you can just lay the reins across their neck. You don't even have to put a whole lot of pressure on their mouth. You can just lay the reins and they will turn until you tell them to stop, until you move that rein off their neck. As long as they are feeling just the slight touch of that little piece of leather on their neck, they're turning to the right. They're turning, turning, turning. And when you lift it, they stop. They're waiting. They, you can put the pressure on with your, your knees. You can just squeeze a little bit with your knees and teach them that that means for you to run full out. It's really interesting if you've ever looked and seen any uh, riders who have taught their horses without a saddle, without any bit in their mouth, without any reins, but they can take them into the arena and they can make them run, stop, turn, Go backwards, go to the left, go to the right, switch gates. They can be going with the right foot first, and then they just give them a little nudge, and they switch over to the going with the left foot. All of that is taught because they've, they, have, they have conditioned that horse to respond to these different touches. If I feel the, the, the slight touch of that, that piece of leather on my neck, I'm going to turn to the right. If I, on this side of my neck, I'm going to turn to the left. If I feel pressure on this right knee uh, coming against the side, I'm going to do this. They have learned the different, the, and, and they are sensitive to the different conditioning points or, or um, instructions, signals that are given. You know, God said, I will lead you with my eye. I will lead you with my eye, that we can have such a, a relationship with him that he doesn't have to drag us, he doesn't have to coerce us, he doesn't have to, to have us in, in, with all these different signs and wonders to prove to us this is the direction or the choice he wants us to make, but that we'll just have his peace that we'll be able to just flow by, by knowing what God is, is showing me. This sensitivity is what we want. And for us to have this spiritual sensitivity, we're going to have to walk on the highway. We can't get it walking on all these other ways. We can't have the sensitivity and the accuracy with the Spirit of God without walking in His way. So the highway is a way of holiness, and holiness is designed for us. It's the very best life you could ever live. There's nothing you're missing outside of, of, of this. It, uh, other people can talk about what kind of enjoyment they're getting. They're not getting the pleasure that comes with living the way God designed us to live. The pleasures of sin for a season, the wage that they require, the price that they price tag that comes with that sin is just not worth it. On the way of holiness, there is full provision, full protection, and full accuracy. And so that's what we want. Let's look at Psalms 101. Psalm 101. Glory to God. We want the accuracy, the sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And so this is how we 
develop that accuracy, that sensitivity. Psalm 101, let's read the whole chapter. I will sing of your mercy and judgment unto you, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. So this way that we're walking is wisdom to walk in it. The word perfect is talking about developed, talking about this accurate life. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that has a high look and a proud heart, I will not suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walks in a perfect way, he will serve me. This is King talking about who he's going to employ. This isn't God talking about us serving him. This is, this is what David is saying to God about the people he's choosing to have covenant relationships with, the people that he's choosing to surround himself with. He says, uh, he that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that tells lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. So he is desiring to have a life that is a life that honors God from the personal things that are in his heart all the way to the people that he has the choice of who to put around him. He's not going to choose people to put around him that are going to... Notice he said, it will not cleave to me. There are, are things that people have difficulties, open doors, things that are burdensome because they have made choices to enter into relationships with or to have, have people have access to their lives that bring the trouble in with them. And so we've got to recognize this doesn't mean that we are superior in a way that I'm so holy and you're not holy, but that we recognize there are some things I'm not supposed to, have, to uh, permit access to my life. He said, people who want to privately talk about the neighbor, gossip, I'm not going to initiate the, the phone call when I know on the other end I'm going to have gossip and criticism in my ears. I like Pastor Caldwell used to say, these are not trash cans. These are not your trash cans. Don't bring your trash and try to dump into my ears. Amen? So there are choices these are things that we have choices about things that we recognize to be contrary to the ways of God and we are choosing to it says I will behave myself wisely I will behave myself wisely Psalm 141 and verse 4 in the amplified 
Psalm 141, verse 4. Incline my heart not to submit or consent to any evil thing or to be occupied in deeds of wickedness with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. Incline my heart not to submit or consent to any evil thing or to be occupied in deeds of wickedness with men who work iniquity. I don't want to partake of what they're partaking of just because it's the latest blockbuster hit. I don't want to partake of what they're partaking of just because everybody else is doing it. I don't want to partake. I've got to recognize this isn't about me uh, being religious. This is about me protecting what God has done on the inside of me, (laughs) maintaining my focus on what he said. There are things I need to walk away from, things I need to separate myself from. Psalm 143 in verse 10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me into a level country and into the land of uprightness. Let your good spirit lead me into a level country. This is the highway. This is the highway. The Holy Spirit leads us on the highway. This land of uprightness. We're not going to find it following the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are not going to lead us into that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to recognize that the flesh has cravings. And not all of them appear sinful at the onset, but if we follow them, they're going to lead us to things that will weaken the spirit, things that will dull the spirit, the the wrestling matches, a craving for the wrestling matches instead of recognizing how God was moving. I mean, if you ever hear anybody talk about those days, there were people who didn't even have callings to to flow in, in healing ministry, but they said it was like there was healing in the air. And when people gathered together and we started having church, healings just happened. Why? Because God wanted to do that. And there are things God wants to do today. There are outpourings that he has prepared for this day. There are things that have been prophesied for this day upon God's people. God will pour out upon all flesh of his spirit and signs and wonders. God desires to show his goodness. He desires to manifest his power and his glory to help people, to change people's lives, to set people free, to, find, to draw people to Jesus Christ. He desires. Hallelujah. But there has to be that desire for his way in, in his people. Glory to God. So he says that we should be asking him to teach us. Teach me to do your will. Teach me to, we all should be praying that, right? We all should be asking, teach me to do your will. Lord, let your good spirit lead me into the land of uprightness. We won't find it without his help. We won't find it by following fleshly thought patterns. We've got to take his highway and we've got to 
endeavor to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. First Peter, let's go over here to the New Testament and see how the, the New Testament believer is instructed. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. Let's begin in 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, gird up the loins of your minds, be sober, and hope as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts, cravings, desires. I want you to put that in your thoughts when you think of that. Cravings, the former cravings, the former desires. It says, not fashioning yourself according to those former desires in your ignorance. Those, those cravings, those desires that you had when you were lacking knowledge about salvation, when you were lacking knowledge about who you are in Christ. But, as he has called you, as he which has called you is holy, so you be holy. Can you be holy? Can, are we holy? Did the blood of Jesus cleanse us? Yes. And now he says, be holy as he which has called you is holy. You be holy. How are we to be holy? Where is the action, this verb, where is this action verb of be holy? Where does it take place? In all manner of conversation. Conversation, every time you see it in the New Testament, it means behavior. It is not limited to verbal communication. The New Testament word is behavior. Let me read it from the Amplified, and you can put the Amplified up as well. Verse 14, live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance when you did not know the requirements of the gospel. But as the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. This is where the action verb is acted out. This is where we be holy. This is where we are holy in our conduct and our manner of living. The highway. We're living the highway of holiness. Hallelujah. Be holy because the one who called us is holy. We are made in his image. We are in Christ. We are all members of the body of Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new and all things are of God. We are born again. We are alive unto God. The life of God himself dwells in our spirit. And from our spirit, we live holy lives. Our flesh, if we let our flesh make the choices, if we let our flesh drive the car, it's going to drive back the way it used to drive, on the highway it used to drive on. 
that we don't let our flesh drive. We, we crucify the flesh every day. We put it under. We just maintain our spiritual strength and live out of our spirit holy lives. Be holy in all your manner of conduct and your manner of living. I'm going to finish 16 and 17 in the Amplified. For it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call upon him as your father who judges each one impartially according to what he does, then you should conduct yourselves with true reverence throughout the time of your temporary residence on the earth, whether it is long or short. Hallelujah. If we call upon him, we should conduct ourselves with reverence. How do we conduct ourselves with reverence? We live holy. We be holy. Be holy. That's how we conduct ourselves. I know it's not good English, but that's how we conduct ourselves with reverence. That's how we show we honor God. So some people pull it over into a religious harness. And they say, yeah. And they roll their eyes like I'm, I'm so mistreated. I'm so mistreated. I don't get to go watch that movie because it's rated R. I don't want to watch that movie. I don't care how good the acting was. I don't care how many accolades it got. If they're going to take my Lord's name in vain, I'm not giving my money to it. I'm not putting it in my ears. Even though it's just one one short piece of whatever, whether it be nudity or, or whatever... None of, even that, that little bit, it's, it, it's like the little bit of manure in the brownies. It's, it's not even a teaspoon. It's just even a, it's just a pinch, a pinch of cow manure. And it's all mixed in. You won't even taste it. The, the cocoa powder overpowers the manure. But don't you want a brownie? I don't want a brownie. It's not worth it to me to have even one particle of the cow manure in my mouth. Do you see where some people allow it to become something that is a restraint to ruin their life? My kids used to think that way about my rules. My mom is just over the top. All of my other friends, they get to stay out till 2 o'clock in the morning. Nothing good is going on at that time of the morning for my 17-year-old. Why would I let my 17-year-old stay out past midnight? There's nothing profitable for them at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Nothing that they could be doing out running around the streets at 2 o'clock in the morning that is, is safe for them. Be home by midnight. It wasn't to ruin their lives. It was to protect them from dangerous decisions. It was to protect them from being in those temptations, those situations to tempt them. And so we've got to recognize that the highway is the safe way. It is the best way. It is the way that God has called for the redeemed to walk. 
and that it is a conducting of ourselves. It's our choice to conduct ourselves in this manner. 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. I'm helping you today. I'm helping you. This is like down home good eating right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's begin in verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore... Come out from among them and you be separate. You be separate. So let's just rehearse a few of these specifics that we saw in 14 and 15. He is identifying unbelief, unrighteousness, and darkness. Unbelief, unrighteousness, and darkness. As being opposite of who we are. We're not unbelief. We are believers. We believe God. We, we are righteous. Because Jesus became sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So unbelief, unrighteousness and darkness. He says we don't have fellowship with that it's not a superiority where I think I'm better than people and I am comparing myself with them but it is how I'm conducting myself this isn't for me to use as a measuring stick for what other people are doing this is for take my measuring stick and measure my own life that that's the only life I'm measuring I'm measuring my life and I'm I am recognizing my conduct, I'm recognizing my attitude, I'm recognizing the thoughts that I permit. I'm behaving myself wisely. So this, this connection, he says, don't make that connection. Don't, don't put yourself, the, the, the word yoke is referring to how they would, they would harness Two work animals together, whether it be plow horses or oxen, they would use a yoke to yoke them together. And Jesus referred to his yoke. He said, my yoke is light and easy. We are, we are, we are harnessed together in Christ, with Christ. And his yoke is light and easy. But he says that we are to choose the yokes, that, the connections that we make, the harnessing together so that we aren't harnessing ourselves to, to people who are carrying or, or operating in a different flow. Amen? Hallelujah. Why? Because we are the temple of the living God. 
Just go ahead and lift your hand right now and say, what a privilege. What a privilege that God has chosen to dwell in me. Hallelujah. I mean, when, when, when greater is he that is in me becomes reality, living holy takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> Why? I am, I am the dwelling place of the Most High God. The Holy Spirit himself lives in me. And I don't want to make him have to sit through anything that offends him. I don't want to have to make him be in a situation where he is not honored. Be, be in a relationship where he's not honored. Amen? And so he says, you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they will be my people. We are his people. He calls us his. He calls you his. You are his child. You are his son, his daughter. You are his. Hallelujah. Verse 17, wherefore... Because of this, because you are the temple of the living God, you are the dwelling place, you are the home of God himself, he dwells in you, that's why you come out. God can't, God's not going to make us come out. He says you come out and be separate. So there is a separation. There is a separate, we live separate lives. We live lives on a different plane than other people live on. We live our life in a different flow than other people live in. Our flow is a peace flow. Our flow is a blessing flow. Our flow is a flow where God is honored, where God is exalted, where God is lifted up. He says, there is a separation. Be separate and touch not the unclean and I will receive you and I will be a father unto you and you will be my sons and my daughters says the Lord. Hallelujah. Having therefore these promises, because there's no chapter division in the original, in the original text. Having therefore these promises. What promises? The promises that God said, I will be a father to you. I will be, you will be my sons and my daughters. Having that promise, let dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. Cleanse ourselves. Notice, filthiness of the flesh is not necessarily sin, what somebody would, would openly call sin. It can just be the flesh. The flesh just stinks. The flesh, there's just nothing clean about it. It's dead. We're, that's why we keep it crucified. That's where it belongs. Why? I, that flesh is not intended to be, to be operative in our life, to be active and involved in our decisions. So let's, I, let's and, I, and I, I, I generally make this, Disclaimer, so I'm going to go ahead and make it again. 
We don't have to fight our flesh. The flesh doesn't have to be a big struggle for us. If we will walk in the Spirit, by default, we will crucify the lust of the flesh. So we emphasize the walking in the Spirit, which is another way to say the way of holiness. They're the same. They're one and the same. Walking in the Spirit is walking on that highway of holiness. Because if you're walking, giving your obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in you, you're living out of the born-again you, following the, the word and the instructions of the Holy Spirit, you are automatically going to bypass giving the flesh any activity in your life. You're not going to yield to the flesh if you're always yielding to the Spirit. Amen? So the emphasis is on walking in the Spirit. The emphasis is not, oh, my flesh, my flesh. I'm just not my flesh. I get up in the morning in my flesh. And then I go throughout my day in my flesh. No, we don't want to, we don't want to, don't want to emphasize it. Don't want to make it a big struggle. It doesn't have to be a big struggle. You know, in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul talked about that carnal Christian who has that struggle and is always saying, the thing I don't want to do is what I end up doing. And the thing I don't want to do, that's the very thing I ended up doing. Well, but he said, who will deliver me? <laughs> who will deliver me from this body of death? Talking about the flesh. Who will... Thank God the Lord Jesus Christ has delivered me from the flesh. I don't have to struggle and fight and battle with my flesh all the time. I can just look unto the author and the finisher of my faith, looking unto Jesus. I can feed on the word. I can strengthen myself in the joy of the Lord. I can, can uh, allow his word to be the light that guides my decision-making, and I can walk in the Spirit, and by default, I will crucify the lust of the flesh if I'm walking in the Spirit. So that's the answer, is to walk in the Spirit. But he does give us enough New Testament warning about the flesh for us to be on guard for it, for us to be aware of it, for us to, to have our spiritual antenna ready so that if the flesh tries to get a thought in, if the flesh tries to give a, a nudge, a temptation, a, an, a, 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 a prompting, we can identify, no, 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 no. That's not how we roll here. We flow with the Spirit of God here. We, we go the word way here. We're not going to give in to our anger and go in the other room and tell that person off. We're not going to honk our horn and get up on, on their tail end honking our horn like, why would you pull out in front of me? I, I, that's not the Spirit leading you to give them a piece of your mind. That's not the Spirit telling you to honk your horn and, and throw your hand up there and tell them pick a finger. That's not the Spirit of God. It's like, you know what I meant. No, no. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who... If, if you are tempted to respond in anger when you're on the road, then you need to pull up that scripture that says, pray for those who despitefully use you, who do you wrong. If they're doing you... You, you should be strengthening yourself in prayer on the road. So that you become a prayer warrior driving through the traffic. Lord bless him. I mean, you're sowing seeds of mercy. 
Hallelujah. Because I'll tell you, if you give in to your flesh in the traffic jam, and you, you yield to the flesh when you're standing in line and that person in front of you has 15 coupons and then they want a price check on two items and you're standing there going, fuming, I've got things to do. Would you come on? If you continually give in to your flesh in those areas and you let that anger and that seething and that, that fuming and then you complain about them and you make, make, make names for them, you know, uh, blue hair driving in my lane. And, and if you'll do that, your, your flesh gains momentum. It gets strengthened. And, and then you'll lose your temper with your child or your wife or your husband. You'll, you'll lose your temper in places that you didn't mean to lose your temper. You'll say things that you didn't mean to say. That's what he said in Romans, I'm just going to, Romans 7, we got to look at it because you've got to, if you'll feed the flesh, the flesh will take it. The flesh is, is sitting there just waiting for something to drop. My, my puppy, I told y'all I have a puppy, she has found her favorite places under Lily's chair. This morning she tasted pancake because Lily dropped some. So she's getting whatever's dropping. And that's how your flesh is. Your flesh is just waiting. Just give me an open door. Just let me have, have an opportunity. Glory to God. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that's what I keep doing. Show me the amplified so we can see it a little bit clearer. Hallelujah. This is not us. This is the carnal Christian. This is what happens to people when they feed their flesh. I do not understand my own actions. <laughs> I am baffled, bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. That's the person who is allowing their flesh to gain momentum. Hallelujah. Verse 20. Or let's go with 19. Oh, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. In my flesh dwells no good thing. Just go ahead and identify it. And identify what your flesh is. Your flesh is not your body. Your, your flesh is that part of, of... The flesh is the carnal instincts. The, the part of you that doesn't want... The part of a person... That before you got saved, it was the one in charge. Isn't that what it says in Ephesians chapter 2? That we were, uh, we were uh, all giving in to the lust and the desires of our flesh. The appetites of our flesh. That was our before Christ picture. So that was present. 
in my flesh dwells no good thing. Romans in chapter 8, he says, to be carnally minded is death. In Galatians, he says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. So the flesh is present in our life, but it doesn't have to be active in our life. It doesn't have to be operative in our life. It's present, but we keep it crucified. We keep it under the control of our spirit. Our spirit is in charge. Our flesh has nothing to say about it. So the flesh wants to, the flesh, the flesh has pride as it's, that's how you'll recognize it. It's prideful. It's prideful. That's, a, that's one way for you to identify. If, if you feel like you just can't let them get the last word in, that's your flesh. That's your flesh. I got to answer. I'm not going to, I'm going to get the last word. Why do you have to get the last word? Why can't you just have a soft answer that turns away wrath? Why can't you just walk in love? Why do you have to hold that against them? I, I'm just, I'm, I will remind them of how many times they've done this to me before. Love doesn't keep account. Flesh keeps count. Flesh is like five times, five times. I've been counting them one, two, three, four, five times. You said that and it happened. Said you weren't going to do that and you did it anyway. That, that, who's counting? Your spirit? No. So do you see how we, we recognize how the Holy Spirit, if we'll walk in the spirit, if we become masters at keeping the love command, our flesh won't have a door. It won't have a window. It won't be able to even get a, in through a loophole. If we will become masters at keeping the love command, because that's how we walk in the spirit. If we're walking in love, we're, we're walking in the Spirit. We're keeping the way of God. Hallelujah. It's about our conduct. It's about our attitudes. It's about our, our responses. Hallelujah. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Verse 14. Don't team up with those, unbelie those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Notice he calls it filthy. Don't touch the things that are filthy. And so in the Amplified, it uses that, and in the King James, it says the filthiness in the chapter 7 and verse 1, he said, um, uh, he called it the filthiness of the flesh. And then he also used the phrase perfecting holiness. The word perfecting, 
He says, cleanse yourself from all the filthiness of the flesh, perfecting holiness. So this is something that we do. We cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh. How? By the washing of the water of the word. By doing the word. By acting on the word. By choosing the word's way instead of how, how pride would answer it. Choosing the word's way instead of selfishness. Selfishness is another indicator. If it's selfish, it's the flesh. Because your spirit is loving and kind and giving by nature. So in this verse 1 of chapter 7, he says, purifying or cleansing ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh is part of perfecting holiness. Perfecting means developing. So all of us have a developing of holiness going on. Hallelujah. We're made holy in Christ, but we're perfecting our holiness as we live our lives in line with his word. James chapter 1 and verse 27 James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Pure religion, undefiled. Isn't that what we want? Undefiled. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Unspotted. So we see there's a filthiness of the flesh. And there's a contamination from the world. The Amplified uses that word, uncontaminated. It says, keep yourselves unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. So there's the flesh and there's the world. Both of them bring dirt, <laughs> bring, bring things that we need to remain clean from. He says, keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. That's our responsibility. We keep ourselves by our choices, by our actions, by our conduct, our manner of living. 2 Peter 2, verse 7. Thank you, Lord. Let's begin in 6. 2 Peter 2, 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, meaning righteous Lot. God delivered righteous Lot, who was vexed with, with the filthy behavior, conversation means behavior in the New Testament. Look it up in your Strong's Concordance. He vexed, he was vexed with the filthy behavior of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day 
with their unlawful deeds. Lot was righteous, but because he was fellowshipping with their unrighteousness, he was vexing his soul. He was being vexed. What does being vexed mean? The Amplified says, Lot was greatly worn out and distressed by the wanton ways of the ungodly and lawless. For that just man living there among them tortured his righteous soul every day with what he saw and heard of their unlawful and wicked deeds. They didn't torture him. He did it to himself. He did it to himself by what he was seeing, what he was hearing, by what he was allowing in his ear gate and in his eye gate, what he was permitting to take place in his presence. He was torturing his own soul. He was worn out and distressed. And and I believe there are a lot of believers today a lot of good Christians who love God, but because they have not shut some doors to ungodliness from having access to them, it it depletes their energy. It depletes their energy. And then when they need to be in a position to resist, when they need to be in a position to stand, they need to be, they don't have the energy that they thought they had. Because they had permitted, they were greatly worn out and distressed. Praise the Lord. Moving right along, Titus chapter 2. It's good news. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. That's the purpose of God's grace. That's the purpose of the grace that we have in Christ Jesus. Of his fullness we have all received, grace upon grace. The grace is not for a a permission for people to live any way that they want to because, you know, we've got the grace of God. No, the grace, the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteous, and godly in this present world. That's what the grace teaches us. That's what grace is for. To show us how good we have it. I'm, I'm just going to use your dog Odie that y'all used to have. Jim and Carrie had a had a, a dog. Did y'all rescue him? Did he did he he had had a hard life before he came to live with Jim and Carrie. And their other dog would just they would open the door and that other dog would just bolt. He was in a hurry to get out that door. He was ready to go, but Odie, he wasn't in a hurry to get away. He's like, "I got it good here. I got it good here. I'm not running off. I am by your side." He would just stand there by their side. I, I'm with them. I found my safe place. That's what grace teaches us. We, why, why would we want to run off and, and just go out and explore when we are right here with the one who will show us everything good? 
God's going to show us all the good. He's going to keep us. He's going to protect us. I'm just going to let him show me the way I need to go. I'm going to let him teach me how I need to respond to this. Why? Because I've got it good. Grace teaches us we've got it good. We've got it good on the highway. We like the highway. We like this holy highway. We, we like the way that it is. I would talk with Marie, Pastor Marie, and, and uh, we, we would say, we are not dramacidal. I don't know if you made up that word, but, but I took it. I'm like, I like, I am not dramacidal. People who just got so much drama. Drama. Save your drama for your mama. I'm not dramacidal. That, that always got to have something going on. Always got to have chaos going on. Always got to be stirring up trouble. Here on the highway, we've got peace. I like my life of peace. I like knowing who to turn to if I need help. I like knowing that he's my ever-present help in time of trouble. You see, this is what grace teaches us. The grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness. What do we do? We deny it. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. I want you to think about this. In every high school, you could probably say in all of America, there are kids who will ridicule and demean someone for being a virgin. What's wrong with you? You can't even get a girl. What's wrong with you? Making it like there's something negative about that. When God calls that holy. God calls that valuable. God places a high price on that choice. Amen? No condemnation. But, but God says, that is the way I have chosen. It is God's desire, and I wasn't. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't live that way. I lived completely for the world, and so I didn't have that. I didn't have anyone even teaching me that. But I, I, what a value. God places on a, a choice for a, not just the girl, but for the man and the woman to enter into their marriage relationship with that purity, with that, with that honor for God that they have held intact until this time of marriage. But the pressure that is put on the child in the school, in not just high school, junior high, probably upper elementary, is, is emphasizing that that's uncool. Something's wrong with you if you're still a virgin. They ridicule it, play it down while God plays it up. God, God honors it. So do you see? Do you see how God honors life? God says, before I formed you in your mother's womb. So how can we say that in the womb, 
it's not really a baby. I was watching a vet show, and they were taking the dog in to look at the, the heartbeat of the puppies, and I thought, they will be so excited about the puppies in this dog, but there are women who are aborting their babies because they have been told it's not a baby yet. Do you see that the ungodly thoughts? Do you see how the grace of God teaches us to deny that? To deny that? I mean, they use women's body to sell whatever. If, if, they, put, if they put a girl in a bikini, they're, they're selling it. To sell the beer. You know, I'll tell you what, the girls who are drinking that beer don't look like that long. They don't look like that for very long. They're going to be they're going to be hung over in just a few minutes. They're going to be puking somewhere. Do you see the ungodly thoughts and how if we will deny them we'll we'll keep seeing in the light. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. To deny worldly lusts. They can be denied. Jesus was tempted in every way. He was tempted in every way. If he was not tempted the way we are tempted, it would not be a legal, righteous redemption. He was tempted in every way. And he resisted every temptation. So the grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. So that we live soberly, righteously, and godly. Hallelujah. Even if something is not considered sinful, if it subtracts from your walk with God, or if it distracts you from your walk with God, I would investigate your involvement in it. Even if it's not considered sinful. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy things. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy a hobby or enjoy a sport. But just keep it in its right perspective. Keep it in its right place. That God is first in my life. That I've placed Him first. And He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He wants us to have areas in our life that we have enjoyment. But He doesn't want those areas to be places where the flesh wants to take us to excess. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to unplug here from this. And let's just turn our hearts to the Lord. Father, we, we are hungry for you. We are hungry to live the life you've chosen for us, Lord. We want your ways. And Father, as a pastor in this church, I pray for your people. And Lord, you know this is something that I bring to you consistently. That they would approve that which is excellent for their lives. I want every one of these your people to walk in line with your plan so they can have your very best blessing. 
I want you to just commit to the Lord with me in this moment. Say, Father, I open my heart to hear from your spirit if there is any area that I need to make adjustments. I am willing to hear and willing to obey. Teach me, Lord, to do your will and lead me by your spirit in the land of righteousness.